Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 1030 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. Well, it's now Friday, 12 o'clock noon, at a place called Golgotha. Now the hard part was done and all that was left to do was wait. Now, to a normal person, it probably felt like any other day. The Romans were carrying out their usual sentences for convicted criminals. If the crime was bad enough, the Romans would sentence a person to death by crucifixion. Now, the word crucifixion would bring fear and discomfort to any man. No person ever wanted to hear their name and that word in the same sentence. If a person did, they ended up in a place like Golgotha. The Roman crucifixion was then and still is today known as the worst death sentence ever given in human history. A punishment that no one has ever survived. This way of death was reserved for those whose crime was worthy and only given to those who were not Roman citizens. Usually it would be individuals who who would have had multiple crimes and deemed dangerous to society. You would also find political zealots on the cross from time to time. Maybe a person that Rome wants to make an example of, to show the others what we're capable of. And on this day, on this Friday, there were three men scheduled to be crucified. Two of the men were thieves and paying the ultimate punishment for their crimes. However, the third man hadn't committed any crimes, but was given to the guards as a criminal. Now, some might think that he was just at the wrong place at the wrong time. To some in the crowd, all this looked like is that he lost a popularity contest to a guy named Barabbas. But unlike the two thieves, The third man had a sign on his cross. Now, the sign was meant to be sarcastic, condescending, and and maybe even a little humor, Roman humor, a reminder of who is actually in charge of this operation. But without even realizing it, without even knowing it, Rome, by that sign, made a historical account of who was indeed hanging on that cross. 
the sign read, King of the Jews. Now, the last few hours have been filled with severe pain and torments. Before an individual is hung on the cross, they first must be prepared for what they are about to endure. The crucifixion is designed to do two things, to humiliate, to, to degrade, to demoralize, to take the man out of you. And the second thing, to kill, to finish it. Now, it would be used often as a scare tactic. It would not be uncommon to witness on your path and route into Jerusalem multiple crosses outside the city gates as you went in town. As a reminder, this is Roman territory. There is no honor in crucifixion, no rules. And for some reason, the third man on the cross was getting a little bit more attention than the other two. They made him strip down to humiliate him even more. Then they publicly beat and they whipped him. And when a person was sentenced to a flogging or a whipping in Rome as an actual formal punishment, the law, the Roman law stated that you were to give that man 40 lashes. That was the law, 40 lashes. Because in Rome's eye, 40 was designed to kill you. You're not meant to survive that. And if you were still alive after the 40, they would stop and consider your punishment paid in full. Didn't happen often. And in this case, Rome was feeling generous. They were having a good day. It was the Passover, which meant more taxes for them, of course. So they were feeling generous. And they only sentenced the third man 39 lashes. There is no record of the other two criminals getting flogged that day. After all, since he was a king being hung there, the guards made the third man a crown made out of very sharp thorns and pushed it into him, not, not on him, in to his head. I wanted to make sure it didn't fall when he got up there. And then they clothed him with a beautiful robe, mocking him to finish the running joke among them, the king of the Jews. Now, it was customary for all criminals to actually carry their own cross to their final destination. Now, according to biblical scholars, it is believed that only the horizontal piece was carried. The body of the cross would be waiting for you at the location. It was estimated that the horizontal piece weighed around 100 pounds. Now, history tells us that the third man was so weak after his flogging that he actually could not physically carry his cross. 
and he had to get help from someone in the crowd that day. But we have a schedule to keep. You, help this man. Now, some crosses are actually as high as 16 feet during the Roman crucifixion. The individual, once you got to the location on where you were going to be crucified, you would take your piece and then unite it with the body that's already there. You would then lay down and cross it over. The Roman guards would come and bring rope, and they would rope and tie your hands to the cross. They would tie your feet to the cross. Then they will come with some nails. They would then first nail your feet into the wood of the cross, then over to your wrist on both hands. And then actually comes the painful part. They would then take the 16 or so foot cross off the ground with you nailed to it, and they would lift it up. And as the Roman guards were grabbing you and with the ropes that they had, they would bring you over to a hole in the ground that was already pre-dug out for where you were going to go. Now this hole was about eight feet deep in order to accommodate the large cross. And so they take the cross and they lift you up and multiple soldiers are carrying you until you get right to the hole and then they let go. And there, eight feet, you fall on the cross. Most of the individuals who were crucified dislocated their shoulders at that time. And then you would just wait. You just hang there, often naked, bruised, broken, and beaten. It was Friday, 12 o'clock noon, at a place called Golgotha. Could it be? Could this be? Is that the same Jesus that we saw just days ago coming into Jerusalem singing Hosanna? Is this the same Jesus that we saw just bring miracles and feeding and, and healing? Is this the same Jesus that stopped the storm, that the storm responded to him? Is this the same Jesus? None of this makes sense. I thought that he was the Messiah. I thought he was the one. We saw him do great things. Was it all an illusion? Was he tricking us after all? Maybe he wasn't the Messiah. Maybe he was someone who was not a representation of God. The Messiah would come to set us free from Romans, not to be killed by the Romans. Why would God take away all of our hopes and all of our dreams? Does he not want us to be free? Does he not want us to have faith in him? Oh, my sweet Israel, wake from your slumber. History right now in this moment is repeating itself before your very eyes, Israel. Generation after generation, God has saved his people over and over again. And his people, generation after generation, have rejected him. 
God, right now, God is giving his people his only son. He's giving him to his people. And his people are saying, he is not good enough. We want more. We expected more. And just the night before, on Thursday, he was arrested. He was tried and found guilty of blasphemy. And by the morning, as the nation of Israel was, was just waking up to the sound of birds and chirping in the air, Jesus' fate had already been decided. The leaders of the law, the very men, the religious officials, who for generations have been given the wonderful and beauty responsibility to make sure that the nation remembers their God, is educated on that there is a Messiah coming, that God has something greater planned and in store, that these men of the law, that their responsibility to the nation of Israel is to say that he is coming. He is coming. And it was these same men who was blinded by the legend of the Messiah that they couldn't see him when he was standing right before their very eyes. Are you the Christ, the Son of God? Are you the Messiah? I am who you say I am. Blasphemy. You're not what we want. You're not what we expect. We want better. And then now, we're at the moment, on the cross, all along, tired, hurt, Jesus cries out, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Shabahani, my God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? He wasn't questioning God. He wasn't wondering where is his father. It wasn't a question or a lack of faith that we were witnessing on the cross. No, no, he was singing. Jesus was singing on the cross. He was singing Psalm 22 in that very moment, a psalm that was written by David generations ago when David found himself suffering with no end in sight. With no, with no possibility of hope. How are you going to get me out of this God? And David wrote of another servant that was going to come who would suffer even greater than he would in that moment, at that time when he was fleeing in the deserts. And then he wrote down that there will be a, a suffering servant that will go and suffer for all mankind. And he wrote this down. He says, he writes, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For God has not despised or disdained the suffering of the anointed one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. Eloi, 
Eloi lama shabahani. I'm ready, Father. Into your hands I commit my spirit. It is finished. And the suffering servant, who David wrote about, gave his last breath. Hmm. But the day is not done. You see, all, all of God's creation mourned the death of Jesus, mourned that Jesus the Messiah was on the cross. Even though the people were blind and they could not see, the very people whose responsibility it was to share the truth and to share that the Messiah is here, that they were so blind, the people shouting, crucify him. He's not good enough. We want better. Crucify him. That when the people were blinded by the Messiah, that they could not see that all of the rest of God's creation saw clearly who Jesus was. At his death, in the middle of the afternoon, darkness came over the land. The earth began to shook. Earthquakes began to split the rocks in half. The stones were crying out just like they said he would because his people were silenced. So the stones worshiped the Lord. And according to scripture, tombs were broken open and the dead were raised to life, walking among the people in Jerusalem. Because God's creation was mourning for the death of his son. The only creation the only creature that actually needs convincing that Jesus is the Messiah is you and me. Because every other creature already knows. They already know. And it was then, after the veil torn and the darkness came, the earthquakes hit, the stones were shouting to the loudest volume they had that this was the Son of God, this was the Messiah. And after creation roared on this earth for what took place, we see that beautiful moment when all our hope was lost and we see the Roman guard just standing, staring at a lifeless body of Jesus. And perhaps, perhaps, we witness the very first soul converted because of the crucifixion. He was the Son of God. He was the Son of God. Friends, that's where we find ourselves today. We're at the foot of the cross. We're just like that Roman guard. We're just like him who, who is standing and just looking and seeing. And we all, each of us here in this room and those online, everyone that can hear my voice, have to do the same thing that that Roman guard did. 
have to believe. He is the Son of God. He is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. The earth made it known. God made it known. And tonight I'm going to tell you that if you find yourself standing there in this moment, questioning and wondering, is he it? I'm going to tell you is that you will stand and take the same faith that the Roman guard did and believe. Because you and I, friends, know, well, we know what's coming. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless.